0: Hey guys, welcome back to Screenworthy, brought to you by The Mind Refinery. I'm your host, Kyle Bodanis. We're back from our hiatus, continuing to dive into the works of Denny Villeneuve with his masterpiece, Incendies. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have time, follow The Mind Refinery on social media. And now, here's the show. All right, guys. We're continuing our lead up to Dune with a look at the works of acclaimed Canadian director Denis Villeneuve. This episode, we're looking at his French-language family thriller, Incendies. <laughs> Joining me, as usual, is Mind Refinery creative John Neal. John, how you doing?
1: What's going on?
0: Uh, not much, man. Beautiful day uh, in the city. We're starting to get better here. Vaccines are happening. Uh, shots, shots, shots,
1: shots, shots. We got the shots,
0: shots. I got this fucking shot. Five G is activated. Oh, uh no lag when playing csgo now nope. um so okay so incendies was adapted by maddie muad's play of the same name and uh it took five years for vilnov to get a proper screenplay together for it that he was happy with with writing partner valerie bogron champagne uh but so Vilnov going into it kind of said he didn't know really anything about, you know, Arab Middle Eastern culture, but he kind of knew from seeing the play in 2014 that it was going to be a potential masterpiece. Uh, the country where the film takes place is left pretty ambiguous, but the events are influenced by the Lebanese Civil War and particularly the story of prisoner Sushu, Susha ba, Bashara. hope I pronounced that. Even are remotely mm-hmm. correct. Uh, the movie did its initial screening at the Toronto and Venice Film Festivals, got nominated for Best Foreign Film at the Academy Awards, and took home a paltry eight Genie Awards along with Best Picture. If you are looking for Villeneuve's signal to the Hollywood elite that he is the real deal and primed to attack English pictures, look no further than this movie. Heavy spoilers in this. If you haven't seen it, first of all, get the fuck off your ass and see it. It's a fucking fantastic movie, especially if you're Canadian. Make sure you support Canadian Film. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, John, let's let us talk initial thoughts here uh, from you. This is a film that a veteran filmmaker should
1: be making. Not a guy that's like two pictures deep, first of all. It, it's, it's one of my favorite Villeneuve movies. I'd say it's easily top three. The twist just completely fucked me up for like three days to the point where I was just thinking about it and thinking about it. And man, that's crazy. I don't know. He just has a way of building the movie for like and also the balls on this guy to basically build the movie for like two hours and 15 minutes and then in the last like (laughs) 10 minutes of the movie drop the biggest bomb ever and have it pay off it's so fucking hard to do that man yeah
0: yeah i mean and we'll get to the twist uh you know first off it's important to mention that this, uh, you know, a film of this caliber was almost entirely from funding from Canadian sources, Telefilm, mm-hmm. Harold Greenberg Fund, uh, federal tax credits, Quebec tax credits. Um, you know, films like this are the bar by which our film industry should be judged. and attempt to, to you know, an attempt to, you know, be what we attempt to attain. It did 16 million, about three million of which uh, was viewed within Canada, against a 6.5 million dollar production cost, making it an unmitigated success. Oh, yeah. We keep talking about the Quebec film machine. This is another example. So, shout out to our, uh, you know, our people from Quebec. Fantastic. Yeah, Merci. people's opinion. Yeah, people's opinions about whether or not Canadian films can work at a high level are really answered by flicks like this. I mean, keeping in mind that it was made pre two thousand ten. I the potential is still there, the talent. Because uh, in five years, you're going to see Xavier Dolan, and mm-hmm. that uh, and Mommy did was like uh, f- four million uh, production budget ended up raking in nineteen million, and you know did well. I believe with yeah. the Palm De Oricon, I can't remember. You know, as for thoughts on the flicks uh, flick i mean like this film was super intense like where do we think it ranks versus something like prisoner in terms of intensity like for me i mean prisoner doesn't really give you moments to breathe and like it's just two and a half hours of just like being fucked up like what the fuck do you do in these situation type questions almost um you're pulled in different directions but like what do you like what do you think of it in comparison to to prisoners just from a You know, just like a feel and intensity point of view.
1: I mean, Prisoners amps it up to 11. So if this is like a 6, Prisoners is like an 11 as far as just keeping you on the edge of your seat and sort of holding on. This is a kind of a more of a we reveal things as we go kind of movie. It's a little slower as well in that sense just because Prisoners has that extremely tense feel. It just makes it uh, feel like it's going by a little quicker. But I think... um, Like this movie is really just all about the twist because, I mean, like you're sort of piecing things together, but you're not really. And so you kind of rely on each scene sort of revealing a new piece of the puzzle. And like you don't figure it out until the bomb is dropped, whereas prisoners, you can kind of pick your, you know, like pick your antagonists where there's like more like Mm -hmm. it's sort of all over the place. and, And, you know, it's not it wasn't as big of a. I guess, of a shock, if that makes sense, in Prisoners as opposed to in when when the actual uh, twist happens.
0: Yeah, I don't think, because I don't think Prisoners hinges on it so much, whereas it's like, it's kind of unfolding in a way that does make sense. I think with Prisoners, I kind of, sorry, with uh, Incendies, I kind of got wind of it, like, maybe four or five minutes before it happened that's Mm -hmm. it like 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 you know what i mean you kind of and you're only kind of thinking it and then you kind of see her reaction with it let's talk about this Mm -hmm. twist though you know like i started pieces together before the big reveal but when it happens and you know it's crazy when it drops like simon looks fucked up to which his physical acting is outrageously good yeah you know when he's going through that one plus one doesn't equal two and Mm -hmm. then Jean probably gets it Kind of super intense with some Middle Eastern old boy vibes. Usually, you know, when there's a twist in a flick, it's either telegraphed by clumsy writing or it's kind of ridiculous Mm -hmm. as a twist, anyways. So it's like, like, twists should be unexpected, but then again, when you see them, expect it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you, it, it's hard to put it together. I mean, this was so well done and the genuine reveal made sense when all the elements were kind of piled up on each other. The scene where Nawal sees the guy's tattoo is crazy as mm-hmm. well. Like, well, it's super well yeah. done. And it kind of like reveals that whole like, du- like duality of the two notes. Like while they're written to the same people, they reflect this idea of being the same people and how trauma and the horrors of war kind of shape mm-hmm. people. So, you know, you have one letter written to like her son who she had to give up and then the other one is like to like the the rapist father of her children right and it's just like it, it was just really crazy yeah
1: um like i said i i didn't see it coming really and then it was just i guess the way it was revealed the old the old general just saying it right and it's just kind of it's just like damn <laughs> holy fuck like it was a bigger bomb than i probably could like if you were if i was going to think about what was going to happen and what the whole payoff was going to be i don't think i would have said this and i think that's why it was kind of more impactful uh more so than prisoners just because uh the twist the the twist is everything and like i said he just builds the movie so well up to that point that you're just so invested in everything that's going on all the time and then yeah it just happens and it's just fucking that like solidified uh this movie as like a classic for me was when the twist happened and and that was like this movie's fucking like come on like come on
0: yeah the only the only thing i kind of lament is that uh, like more people didn't see it because obviously for obviously limited release and even you know with the whole academy award you know how american audiences are they're like oh foreign film i don't know if i can deal i can do i don't know if i can do that
1: like how good was the uh, what movie beat this like how good was the movie that beat this because um, I don't
0: think I saw it. I'm trying to remember the fucking name of it. I, I glossed it over uh, when I was doing the research. It would be hard-pressed to be better than this one because, like, this was fucking... Like, this was pretty intense. And, I, like, I actually... And it's usually a movie that of this intensity. I'm not like, I have to watch it over and over again because, like, for example, I haven't watched Prisoners over and over again. No. it's no. A, It's a tough watch. This one is a tough watch, but it's so like, well-constructed that I can't help but doing it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think this is the kind of
1: movie, too, that will get better with every watch. Like, I've seen it, I think, both three times, the third time being sort of, like, just kind of skimming through it, I guess, but, um, like, give it, like, once every five years, pop it in kind of thing, and it's and it's great.
0: In A Better World, it's a Danish film by Suzanne Bier. Mm. I never saw it. I can't say it isn't better, but... It, you know i would be like willing to bet that uh i, I don't know how you're gonna, you're really gonna beat this one so yeah like for okay i want to talk about like some of the scenes because like there were some really 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 intense fucking scenes during this what what were some of the most intense for you
1: i think the one that jumps out first is when uh she's on the bus and the bus gets shot up
0: the bus, the bus scene, bus is, scene is pretty fucked yeah. up
1: especially like when she takes the child out of there and the child runs back and they just execute him and then the bus blows up like i'm just like fuck
0: <laughs> that scene is so fucked up oh, you know man. what i mean and like this is kind of like and this kind of shit yeah. ha- like really happens all the fucking time in a in a war torn country uh especially like if if the allusion is supposed to be to civil war era lebanon and just the whole situation where you know they get stopped the driver's out there he gets shot and once he gets shot you're just like you know what's going to happen and they just like unload into the yeah. bus mm-hmm. and just every moment of it is agonizing and you know when they get on top of the bus you know they're going to light it on fire and you feel it and it's it's a really 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 tough scene to watch but it's so well done mm-hmm. and it's so well put together and like you really kind of get that just horror of what happens, and like you're you're seeing these things unfold right before your eyes, and I just thought <clears throat> the performances, which we're going to get into for, it were fantastic. But everyone too, like the mother of the child in the bus, um, you know. The soldiers. It was just so well shot. Practical effects on it were really fantastic, and like there was nothing that pulled you out of it. So you are like tunnel visioned and sunk right into it, right from the like, right from when it happens.
1: Like the the realism factor in this movie is crazy. Just because, like, I mean, at least the feeling that you get is just perfect for for what the movie is. Just because it's so. It just feels so realistic and so raw. That's one of the great things about this movie. Is it really doesn't pull any punches. It fucking serves it up like raw shit.
0: And I think like it kind of is. It nods to Polytechnique into like the way yeah. violence is used and like what it says about it. Because like obviously when you're getting into like Scorsese and Tarantino, there it, it's it's stylized violence for that's a comment on like violence in American society. But this is like. Realistic displays of how that violence inflicts trauma on people, and like how that's carried throughout their life, and and how it affects them and who they are at a very uh, core level. And Polytechnique does that too. Polytechnique is probably the most chilling example of it because it is very violent, and it is like you're just like yeah. I can imagine when that was in the theater, you could hear a fucking pin drop afterwards you know there's very few <clears throat> there's yeah. a few movies that that have done that um like the opening scene in saving private ryan was one in the movie theater you couldn't hear like it was silent at the fucking end of it just because it's like yeah. people are processing what you've seen and you're totally right in that it doesn't pull any punches because like it's disturbing when you watch it like you are affected by watching that and like that yes. is you know filmmaking at its finest. It's not overtly gratuitous, but it is exactly what it takes to get the idea and like what that setting, from like an emotional standpoint, a life standpoint, and a political standpoint, all simultaneously. It makes it all really come together.
1: Yeah, it almost feels like we're going to school to show you what it's actually like. Like that's like that's what it feels
0: like. Exactly, and not in yeah, in not a fucking like preachy way, but in no. a like very no. demonstrative, artful way. Yeah. Yeah. Um also what what did you think of the scene where like she sees the tattoo for the first time with the swimming?
1: I mean, what did I think of it? It's like well, it's like again, I didn't see the twist really coming and the funny thing was I when they showed Abu Tariq's face at the pool, I didn't I didn't put the two together because we see Well, you You don't don't. see his face much, and they show it sparingly, right? Obviously, in the actual prison, like we see him earlier in the film, but then it's like, you know, thirty minutes later, we sort of see his face from like this side angle, and so he, like, it's the, it's totally the same guy, but I, I didn't put the two together right away. I just saw the tattoos, and I was like, oh shit, that's her son, but why is she like what? Like what the fuck just happened? Like it was obviously it's like, yeah, it's it's amazing. But like I was still kind of like, okay, what else is gonna come after this? (laughs) Like why did she have that reaction? What the fuck's going on? Right? Anyway, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, because you see him when he's you don't really see his face though. You see like his like the side of his face with like his eye or something. You see it like Yeah. yeah, you see it once. That's it. You see just the side. You see his profile. Then you see him like half of his face because it's in the prison because it's covered with the newspaper. Yeah. Because when she comes in, he's got like his feet up and is reading the paper mm-hmm. and like maybe you see it one more time. So it's not enough to like ingrain it into your memory no. where as soon as you see it, but then, you know, you start to get the thing and I always, I thought the tattoo thing was so fucking cool. Yeah. Like I really, because I was like in that, I'm like, what, what the hell is she doing? Yeah. And then I realized she was tattooing so they could recognize her because she wanted to go get him one day. Yeah. You know, this whole, this whole idea of taking a child from when they're young and you know turning them into a killer essentially because that's what happens you know a child soldier you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and you see what what that whole thing what that whole conflict and what that that you see the warts of uh, of the culture and then you see some of the beauty in it as well and that's another thing too i like like the the dualism between that i love that scene but where where she sees his tattoo because it's kind of teased because they, they tease the swimming scene yeah, at the beginning it's the first scene where her movie. mom is like she gets to the pool and her mom's like catatonic at the beginning where she yeah where she's having uh the stroke and and you fi- well you find out that she has the stroke and it's it's really really fucking crazy how mm-hmm. everything kind of fits in together and yeah the flash and the, the way they that time is played with it is done really fucking well as well. You're not like skipping around and like what the fuck is going on. And then you really kind of get the whole idea of the opening sequence, like with the kid and getting the head shaved and everything with it. Like that's kind of like for me, if you're playing with temporal ideas in a film, yeah, it can be, some of it can be just like purposeless whereas this it's like every scene and he even said when he was shooting in jordan yeah he made sure because it was like two weeks in jordan uh, out of the 40 total production days the rest of it was shot in montreal sure and absolutely he was like we literally shaved it down so they could maximize the budget because traveling to jordan is fucking ridiculous like, he shaved it down to make sure that absolutely nothing would have been cut, left on the cutting room floor in Jordan, so there was, like, maximizing all the, all, you know, the production situation.
1: Jeez, 14 days.
0: <laughs> yeah. Man. Fucking, yeah, like, it, it's, it's pretty ridiculous, because, you know, especially when you consider... It's funny because on the rhythm section, we were talking about DJ Khaled's album, which was absolute trash. (laughs) And then we interviewed DJ SB and we just were told that we're like, your movie costs two. sorry, your album probably costs 2.5 million less to make, but was far more effective. Right. Because that's what it is. It's like knowing it's like, are you doing this? you know f- is this a wanton fucking incineration of money or are you like right. taking this fucking gift of funding and just churning out every bit of squeezing yeah. every drop out mm-hmm. of it yeah. to get it well, on screen
1: i mean again this is a we talked about this with prisoners as it being his craft on full display where you you're just relying on your ability to tell a story this is the same the same thing i mean it's just pure talent pure craft To piece this together that's it just your chops it's all you have to shoot this movie 14 days in
0: (laughs) jeez 14 days in jordan and then yeah the rest in montreal because i think they did some studio stuff where they had to like like some of the interior sets Mm -hmm. that were jordan because a lot of it takes place in jordan so then i started like kind of looking at okay what was shot on a sound stage in montreal right Like, versus that. So, I want to get into the performances, though, because the performances in this are solid all the way across, Mm -hmm. I believe. Let's talk about uh, Lubna Azabal, who played Nawal. I mean, Villeneuve Mm -hmm. put out a Canada-wide casting search, and, like, even beyond, and basically saw one of her films. I can't remember the name of the 2005 film, but she's a Belgian-Moroccan actress, and then was just kind of, she will be perfect. And she was 30 at the time, and plays age ranging from, like, 18, I think, to, like, 60 right. and they kind of did it all with makeup. Like first of all, how did you feel that worked and then what did you think of her performance?
1: Oh man. Well, that was one of the things that was most impressive about it was was also just aging her. Like it was shocking just how well she carried it all the way through the different stages of her life seamlessly. Yeah. I mean, Villeneuve has just a great knack for in particular female performers i mean his actresses always deliver knockout performances this might be the best leading performance in in one of his films to be honest with
0: you yeah it's pretty strong like i'm trying to think you know of like it's probably this for me or like amy adams in yeah. arrival because i thought she yeah. just does so fucking good but this one is it's a really fuck, kind man. of it's, yeah, it's chilling and, you know, you see the trauma stacked upon trauma in this and I, th- I I thought she was able to do really well with it. She played the different, she played the different ages very well, you know, y- you see her in the beginning as, you know, kind of a naive child who who gets pregnant like anybody fucking could and has to go through all this stuff because of, you know, and, you know there's an honor, they kill the father of the child... And, you know, you, you, and the grandmother stops the honor killing uh, and all this kind of stuff. And this whole thing just kind of snowballs from there. And her life is kind of out of sorts until then. And she's just trying to, like, get to a place where... And then I really loved also yeah. the grandmother, too, just because you see her, like, she is indoctrinated with the culture, right? But, like, you see at the same time the individual mm-hmm. love yeah. for her... And wanting her to do well and to leave this place. Like you have to leave this place because you know you have been shamed in the eyes of it. But like you need to go do like make yeah. have a good life. And go to school and be educated. And you know be an independent woman on top of that. So like I thought like especially at the beginning. Those scenes when she she was younger were fucking heartbreaking. And then it she, she just uh, carries it really well uh, through both periods of time. Very well done. Just, It was just so well done. Jean played by Melissa Desmereaux-Poulin. Up until this movie, and I checked out her IMDb and watched some clips, I mean, she had a reputation for playing lighters, but this <laughs> is ridiculous. Like, she didn't hold anything back, and everyone is kind of working at a high level. And One thing that Denny Villeneuve loved about her is that She was very generous in performance where it's all about, like, you know, listening and and nonverbal cues. And she just was all the cast that she was really, really great to work with. And I thought she did a really good idea, especially. uh, Sorry, she did a really good job. And yeah, especially in the reveal, like the reveal, like where she just is like thinking, thinking, thinking. And then she kind of breaks down that
1: gasp, though. Yeah,
0: it's it's fucked yeah
1: it's a gasp heard around the world that was like the oh <laughs> it was like what well, did happen and i was kind of just like what the fuck did she just figure out
0: <laughs> yeah
1: again me being me not being able to see what was coming just yeah it was fu- yeah like her performance was great in this um i mean uh, she's uh she did just a great job i don't really have much to say just because everybody's performance in this movie is is solid
0: yes uh Simon was played by Maxime Godet. Uh note here, Maxime Godet actually spent time in a Palestinian refugee camp to kind of prepare for the role. His line delivery was fucking fantastic. But like the big thing with him was just his non-verbal ability to, to convey mass, like massively fucked up situations. Mm-hmm. Uh just with body language. Absolutely impeccable. Like the like he just has the thousand-yard stare yeah. when he, he kind of finds out and when he's it's such a really great moment when he's doing that one plus one equals one thing and doesn't equal two and he was just like really fucking fantastic
1: and he's also uh a semi villeneuve regular at least at the beginning he was the lead in polytechnique if i'm not mistaken right that's
0: yes uh and he was fucking that's another one too where it's like a lot of his Like the way he uses body language is just really fucking good. Yeah. And I mean, like that's kind of a a director's dream from an acting situation, a person who can, you know, do it on both sides because then you're not relying on exposition and stuff. And like, you're really able to kind of craft scenes around mood and tension. And, uh, and it really just kind of turned out well. So,
1: well, I was just going to say like someone like Villeneuve who relies on like moments, like quiet moments with characters a lot where it's kind of just like you're kind of just resting on their expression and I mean um, Maxime Godet and uh, the woman that plays uh, his mother in particular in this movie really stand out as tremendous film actors that just know how to play to the camera really well
0: Nihad, the son slash uh, father, was played by Abdul Gafur Elaziz. Not on, uh, not on camera a ton. Uh, we don't spend a lot of time with him, but mm-hmm. I think there's this mania that's created about the description of him, and like it's like he's either. the whole time I mean and you only and you find this out obviously in the reveal he's either been described as a child that she wishes she could see or like a tormentor who is trying to break her and I think one of the big things is though you know is just Mm -hmm. his reveal when he's reading the letters like the idea when he's reading the letters and is freaked out and finally realizes who they are who they were and he's just like I don't even know what to fucking think about that Right.
1: Well, that's the part that you walk away with, right at the end of the movie. You're you're really sort of just thinking about and just running it through your head, like what is going through this guy's mind. You know what's going through the kids, like like the twins' minds. Like, yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, because he had like I mean he was sent, uh, you know he was sent to Canada, and the idea was for him to like get rid, you know, shed his identity. And start a new life, and he, it's just this whole thing comes back, and you see kind of what he did slash what he went through, and how like the consequences of it are coming back at him, in his, you know in in this mm-hmm. new life he's created for himself. I believe the dialogue coach on this, and just ended up being really good, so they put him in too. I thought he was really great. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a really good way of kind of. Uh, yeah, you know, he's shaping, great. I had no idea. You know, add, you know adding a little... I, I thought he was good at kind of, like, adding the necessary guide through the, like, the plot yeah. and setting it up and all that kind of stuff. So I thought, like, he was really good use his, his scenes, his time on camera is really good. I want to talk about... Alain, Alain Turpin. Uh, what do we think of his cinematography? And normally, we're used to when it comes to talking about Denis Villeneuve is jerking off Roger Deakins. <laughs> uh, how does this homegrown Canadian talent stack up against his more Hollywood counterparts?
1: I, I mean, it's great. I mean, Villeneuve's style sort of, you know, it, it transcends sort of whatever cinematographer he's working with because all of his films kind of. Are, are very much shot the same way you know there's a lot of like really solid frames that have subtle camera movements that that sort of reveal things um he likes to use establishing shots of environments to start scenes to kind of put you there to kind of set the mood so i mean like as far as it stacking up i mean it it's it's very similar and, it, it, like, there's nothing uh, nothing wrong with the way this film looks at all. It's perfect for what it is.
0: Yeah, it's good to see one of our cinematographers. Uh, I mean, and we have a lot of really great cinematographers who are working in the industry today. I see them all the time on set, and uh, we see them in, you know, even dipping into Hollywood. But, you know, Turpan, his, his work on this was really good. Like, this was a really stark-looking film. Yeah. I think with, I totally agree about Villeneuve's style, where, like, frame selection is very much uh consistent throughout and i think that's one thing that's really kind of a testament to his abilities yeah. is that he has a style and is able to kind of co-op it co-opt it for whichever film he's working at so like a rival very different than a lot of these films just from like a, an overall like the idea of science fiction and how it's put together that kind of thing mm-hmm. but because of that like how he's shooting a film like this and how it's the same as this or like blade runner it it's meant to maximize like the human ideas and feelings and and just his ability to kind of put that across the board was really good. But I thought this was well done. Like everything, just because I mean, again, when you're when you're working with Denny Villeneuve, you kind of have to find your spots to highlight it, right? And usually that's done mm-hmm. through lighting and, and 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 that kind of thing. And like yeah. this is a very stark looking film that really kind of captures, you know, like the landscape. And I thought that was one thing too. Is like Jordan is uh, it's shot in Jordan, as we mentioned. It's, it looks really beautiful, yeah, and it's really well shot. And like the landscapes are, you really kind of see the area you're in. Like they they make very good use of it.
1: And like you're not getting like vistas, right? Like it's not like a like like a David Lean style vista vista movie, right? It's yeah. just you're just kind of put there. But like everything that they shoot and capture, just it sort of like I said, it it has that realism factor to it. So it totally puts you there. It's just not a very like check out this landscape and check out this landscape it's just it's more of just like placing you there rather than sort of showing off sort of what's there if 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 that makes sense
0: no 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 absolutely because there's some of the some you know some cinematographers and directors they want to just kind of like well we're going to show you this big you know we're going to show you this like sprawling vista, but it's kind of intrusive into the story whereas this is a very like insular story so i i think that the way they did it to show the landscape and and show this war-torn country and also like the moments where you're looking at the landscapes and it's for a minute not a war-torn country and Mm -hmm. you see that again dualism is so big in it really loved the way that it was done
1: yeah i i really like the use of uh of silhouette and shadows in this movie as well played a lot with that especially even like the stuff um where uh nihad of may is the sniper like that whole sequence where he's just kind of like waiting up in the up in the building and you're following these kids through the street and shit
0: it was really well shot yeah you have no idea what's gonna happen in that scene it's like pretty fucking crazy yeah Uh, because you think it's like gonna be centered on the kids but it's actually him so two Radiohead songs, You and Whose Army, which is used in the opening and, uh, again, in the kind of the middle, and like spinning plates were used in the film, Villeneuve, fe- ah, Villeneuve felt they were important to the meaning and tone of the film and were actually mentioned by various reviews of the film. How did we feel about the use of these tracks and, you know, the use of music overall?
1: I mean, I didn't have any clue that, uh, that he felt so strongly about, about this. I mean, they, they both set a tone. Uh, I had to look up the lyrics when you mentioned it, just because I didn't really, I wasn't really paying attention to the lyrics the first, like when I was watching the movie. But and I and I'm assuming the lyrics have a lot to do with the selection as well. Otherwise, he's just strictly relying on like feeling and uh, and how the music actually sounds. But I'll just go by the sound because that's what I noticed initially. Um, yeah, like they both just said a great, like the first one in particular sort of sets this tone. Uh, and like that shot that pushes into um, the kid's face at the beginning that goes right into his eye. Like it's a very, very sort of like chilling sort of opening sequence put to that music. So I think it worked really well. And then the second one kind of, it's it's like two thirds of the way through the film, I think. And it's over yeah. go, us going back to Montreal when it's in the middle of this thunderstorm, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the music kind of feels almost like waterfalling to me at least the sound that is utilized in that track yeah it's like i don't know there's definitely a visual sort of representation there that he's playing with where you know everything is kind of like i don't know you just kind of get this feeling like everything's all confusing and everything's all sort of like you're trying to make sense of everything that's the kind of feeling i got from that
0: yeah because uh like spinning plates basically is i'm pretty sure it's backwards tape looped and yes. that's why it sounds yeah. so and then uh like when they cut to the montreal part there's those little like splashes of melody over it that are really kind of pretty yeah and i thought it worked really well moving so i think that's definitely an interesting observation you news army uh i love that song off amnesiac fucking listen to it if you haven't and that album if you haven't and um I thought it was just used really well. It really sets a tone. I mean, I'm a huge Radiohead fan, mm-hmm. so like it kind of sucked me in right away. And just the you know, the lyrics of it and providing like this backdrop of a war-torn kind of environment and and what it is and kind of setting that up from the very beginning and then also like showing him being made into a child soldier from the very beginning. Right. And like, I thought that was really fucking cool. And then like, even the scoring parts, I thought were really good as well. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think Villeneuve uses music very well for this one. It was because he uses more score. Yeah. So that's kind of why I was kind of surprised with like getting these and also like what the licensing would have been to get them. So um, it was really fucking cool. You know, the use of it. What do you think
1: uh, as far as the lyrics go? What about at least the first song? uh sorry which is um you and whose army um what about the lyrics specifically spoke to the film in your opinion
0: well it's like because the idea is it's um i'm trying to explain this basically there's the, the lyrics where it's like where the lyrics are almost like Tempting people, tempting the person in it, saying, like, you and who's you and whose army, mm-hmm. like, you and your cronies is one of, yeah. you know, and um, talking about how, you know, they're almost, like, tempting them to take the person in the song on, and I think what happens is it's, like, he's been basically, I mean, he's described as war mad um, at the end, and right. I think it's basically just sucking into the just him being indoctrinated into the whole military war mentality from being a child. Do you you think it's also
1: sort of a, a sort of um, look at things to come perhaps as well? What's going to become of him?
0: Yeah. And this, I know. And then the course is like, we, you know, we ride tonight and you know, he, and you see him, through these various parts become this like dis- distorted representation of what he used to be. And I think that the idea of the song is to kind of like pull that out and to kind of accentuate that. And I thought it was interesting. I almost like thought like spinning plates was intrusive when it first comes in. Cause it comes in over like the middle Eastern part and right. then goes to the, then I kind of like got what it was, but like overall, like I, like I really thought the use of music and the use of these two songs was good which is good because like with a film with that budget you don't have a ton for music rights you don't Mm -hmm. need to be emptying a bunch of money into music rights that you're not gonna fucking use so much like his economy of shooting in in jordan it's the same idea it's economy of like which music rights you're gonna get what songs can you do without it because it gets to a point where even though scoring is expensive it's just cheaper than trying to clear rights
1: it's interesting how as he's gone on and made more movies and his budgets have increased he uses uh other artists music less and less and he just mostly relies on on the score and maybe that has something to do with the fact that you know he's working with Hans zimmer now and that's where he's at yeah but you, you kind of get to do anything you want to get home, <laughs> it's do, like you, oh, i don't have to worry about music anymore perfect
0: yeah it's yeah i i think but i think that part of that is it's it's hearkening back to what we've been saying kind of the whole time we've been looking at his films is that he may he shoots a science fiction movie in the same way he shoots this movie yeah which is good because it doesn't, he doesn't get into tropes or get into, you know, the minutiae of genre. He really kind of drives home his style and his way of storytelling and this idea of it being about the characters, about the human experience, about the character experience mm. and how that can be accentuated through music and how the viewer can be manipulated with that music. Yeah. Hans Zimmer obviously drives that home so yeah I mean also it's like what do you I, I also feel like he's so used to being minimal with bud you know from a budgetary standpoint that old habits die hard right yeah. and if you're a studio I mean if you're a studio owner he's the probably the guy you want to give the money yeah because you at <laughs> least know it's going to be fucking used in a in a good way and like I'm, I'm pretty sure all of his films have made money I haven't checked uh mm-hmm. The box office on Polytechnique yet. Yeah.
1: I don't know about Blade Runner. Blade, Blade Runner might honestly be his least successful out of all of them, but...
0: Which, to me, it's like, you know what? Honestly, so was the... I mean, the original... It's a. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it was a cult movie that's like gained a status as one of the most important science fiction movies of all time. Mm-hmm. So, like, it not doing well at the box office has doesn't really have anything to do with him. No. Because, like, to be very uh-huh. honest with you, that was going to be a fucking... To me trying to do Blade Runner can be a lose-lose situation because it's probably not going to do heavy be a heavy at the box office and at the same time like there's so many fervent fans of it yeah. who would be like fuck you if this film is crap. <laughs> and like why are we making it again anyways? Because also again the original the original theatrical release I mean also wasn't that good. No. So it it, it took subsequent like prying away from the studio and director's cuts for it to be good. So, how
1: poetic is it though that the second one also failed at the box office? And it's it's yeah. it's it's a classic, or it's going to be a classic, maybe in
0: years oh, to come. Oh, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Every like it was just like it was universally applauded, and it was and it was really fucking good, and expanded on the lore of and the story of Blade Runner, which was a pretty much anything ever the only thing anybody wanted. Okay, so as we said, 40 production days, 15 being in Jordan. Art director andre Lean beau was tasked with making the streets of Amman, Jordan, I believe, uh, look like Beirut during the Civil War. What do we think of production design in this?
1: I mean, every dollar is on that screen. If it's... What was the
0: budget you said? It was 6.5. Psst. Are you kidding me? I can't believe they shot in fucking... Are
1: you kidding me? It feels like they oh. had more. That's how good it is.
0: Yeah. Right? And like... Aman Jordan isn't like a war torn area, like it's it's had conflict in it, but like it's the kind of it's they've rev- rev- also revitalized it. Right. So a lot of this is setting up art direction that's fucking expensive. Oh yeah. Like doing this kind, doing this level of art direction because those cities, like adding extra rubble to the streets and stuff like that, like it's really crazy what they were able to do with it. And like at no point are you pulled out of it which is the fantastic part right like yeah it, at no point are you removed from this or you don't feel the limitations of its budget mm-hmm. in what you're doing and that's one thing that really affects production design and art direction yeah you can feel when budget is fucking kind of you know affected on that kind of situation yeah
1: that's like i said that that one scene uh where he's the sniper and the kids are walking through the streets that one is 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 dope it really made it it's look fuck, something it's special.
0: Really, it's really, really, really intense. Especially when you look at also... Like, if you look at... uh, What the fuck is the recent uh, Christopher Nolan... Tenet? Tenet. Yes. I mean, the art direction of the final scene like that, Like, I guess it's well put together, but it's just like in a nothing... Like, I don't know. It just doesn't... I still haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I'm just like... <laughs> I'm still scarred by it. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? And that's like a massive fucking budget and like okay that was fine but I don't know. It just seemed it just didn't seem as rich and natural as this. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's just a matter of choice rather than what the fuck budget you have. Yeah.
1: Of course. And it's also a, just a just a difference in filmmaking as well has everything to do with it.
0: Down to 100%.
1: down to where you put the camera down to at what point you are in the movie and what's going through your mind while you're watching it, it comes down to a lot of a, like a lot of choices.
0: Yeah. So we talk a lot about our uh, a lot about our pride for Denis Villeneuve being a compatriot. I want to spend a little time to talk about some of the great Canadian filmmakers of all time yeah, yeah, yeah. and how Villeneuve compares to them. Ooh. All right. Let's
1: start with Cronenberg. Oh, David. Um, I mean, when I think of like. Canadian directors like the first one that probably comes to mind is Cronenberg just because he's so he feels like he's a filmmaker that's very much outside the Hollywood like sphere. Like he's someone that stayed in Canada pretty much his whole career. I mean, he's made some disturbing pictures,
0: we'll call them. Yeah. He's like the, the he's yeah. like the
1: king of disturbing pretty much. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that was asked to do Return of the Jedi and he turned it down.
0: What would his Return of the Jedi be like?
1: The Ewoks just eat everybody?
0: Yeah, the Ewoks are (laughs) turn into a fly. (laughs) Like I like
1: there's like a few like some of his movies, like The Fly is probably the most disturbing movie I've ever seen. That isn't like maybe the most psychologically disturbing movie I've ever seen. Let me rephrase that.
0: It's almost Pete Goldblum.
1: <laughs> it's it's right there, but like, yeah, I mean, and that movie is is carried by the way by the two great performances of Gina Davis and uh, and Jeff yeah, and Gina Jeff Davis Goldblum. Is really good um, I love Gina Davis, but uh, I mean, I, I still think his best movie, even though it's definitely sort of a later edition, is Eastern Promises. That's still my favorite Cronenberg movie because Vigo so fucking Mortensen good. absolutely annihilates that movie, and Naomi Watts is great in that movie too i don't know like like i like uh david Cronenberg. i think he's more of a niche sort of yeah. guy he sort of stays in his lane and sticks to a certain type of movie
0: if that makes sense you know no 100 percent. what about and you know what i i'm wondering if i even consider this uh fucking ivan reitman oh yeah
1: absolutely the comedy the, the the film comedy king of canada pretty much yeah i mean this is a guy that's
0: stripes ghostbusters just
1: go through the list His first movie that he really sort of the cinema classic twins oh i love twins that, that'll, that'll, <laughs> that'll that'll always be a guilty pleasure movie of mine animal house yeah. he produced animal house he directed ghostbusters he, he directed dave i think as yeah, well You remember dave yeah <laughs> That's the movie about uh, the president, right? Is that Kevin Klein? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Where? Yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 fucking so good, and uh, yeah, like fucking. It, it's just. Uh, I think that unfortunately, I think he did Draft Day as well, but we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> Don't forget Heavy Metal. He produced Heavy Metal in
1: ni- oh, nineteen eighty. Yeah. That movie is ahead of its time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that. Um, yeah i like he he's good different style though than obviously villeneuve but well, he's comedy one of our great he's a comedy exactly. guy he's, he's he's like a pure comedy he's guy he's definitely one of our national uh, lampoon guy right yeah one, one of our one definitely one of our great filmmakers yeah
1: norman jewison storm and norman i mean moonstruck's a classic need i say more
0: yeah that one is good that movie is fucking pretty fucking good yeah, Moonstruck is fucking fantastic. I think he did The Hurricane. The Hurricane's awesome. As it was well... He also did... Uh, I, in the Heat of the I Night. I didn't
1: even know that he did that movie. I was just going to say, In the Heat of the Night, what a fucking movie that is for him to do. Yeah. What is that, 1967 or some shit? Yeah, it's
0: like 1967, little Rod Steiger, little, little Sidney Poitier uh absolutely fantastic he did the original thomas crown affair unfortunately he did jesus christ superstar (laughs) i feel upset because that was judas was the role i was meant to play
1: i just remember like sitting and watching moonstruck with my grandparents like that was the first one of the first movies i remember watching with like all of them and being able to remember it well that's also peak raging nicholas cage as well,
0: that's the best. Fuck, that's it's so good. That movie is fucking hilarious. It's so like, it's a funny. it's really good. It's Share such a is funny good movie. in it. Share won an Oscar for it. Like it's absolutely fucking fantastic. John, and then Johnny Cameron
1: yeah, yeah,
0: it's so fucking good. And then the final uh, one I want to just say, just to you know prop up this to begin this discussion, uh, James Cameron is he even Canadian anymore? I like uh, that's what I'm saying, but I I, I don't want these. I don't want these dickheads on fucking Twitter to be like, "What about Jimmy Cameron?" Well, I'll like,
1: I'll, like I'll if you want to give him to us, absolutely, I'll I'll take it. That's that's fine. That's just the top grossing movies ever. i from from Casing. I'll take it. How dare he call himself American? <laughs> he's from Casing. He's from
0: Casing. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's, he's like a truck
1: driver. No, that's American. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Like I, the thing I do, the thing I will give James cred. Uh, sorry, James cred. James Cameron, all the credit for is his innovation and his and his contributions to the technical uh, breakthroughs in cinema. One hundred percent, you have to recognize him at least for that. I mean, you can give him shit for having Titanic be a romantic comedy, you know. You can give him shit for using Fern Gully and Pocahontas to more or less tell the story of Avatar, you know. But like, I, I will give him, uh, I will always have Terminator Two and Aliens.
0: Yeah, Terminator 2 and Aliens are so fucking good. Yeah,
1: and even, like, True Lies in its own yeah. way is a lot of fun. Just take it for sort of what it is. And even The Abyss, to some degree, is, is again, shot the whole thing in, like, an underwater tank. Like, that's fucking... Ridiculous!
0: He's always doing fucked up shit for his movies. He's always like, uh, we're shooting this on the fucking moon and we're going to be there for three weeks. We're just
1: going to shoot this in the Marianas Trench if that's all right with everybody. Yeah,
0: we're going to go down there. We're going to the Challenger Deep. We're going <laughs> to shoot it down there. Get ready for some pressure issues. Uh, so, I mean, like, how does Villeneuve stack up about this? Is he the greatest living Canadian filmmaker right now? Will he go down as the greatest Canadian filmmaker? Uh, what do we think? I
1: mean, we, we, we jerk him off a lot, but yes. <laughs> yes he is i mean i know we jerk him off but yes yeah he is i like dune i think if dune does what it what it's supposed to do it will cement him firmly as the greatest i think and i and i i, I do i don't like to, to to sort of throw that around lightly just because you know it's it's a discussion that's sort of baseless anyway about who's the best and the, they're all different and they're all they're all great but i mean his body of work is nuts like, every yeah. single film is a home run so far. Like, I just don't know any other director. Maybe there's like a handful, maybe in the history of cinema, that have had a track record where it's just like banger, 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 banger. It's like, is this guy going to make a bad movie at some point? Or or like, what's happening? But, yeah, I don't know. Also, his style. I just love his style because he's also a super visual storyteller. Aside from the fact that he gets inside the characters really well... And does such an amazing job uh, Telling a character driven story He's one of the most visually Striking filmmakers too On top of that do you,
0: do you think in order to be better than James Cameron He also has to Do a solo descent to the bottom of the Marianas Trench <laughs> He
1: doesn't need to do it Because his ability to tell a story Trumps all of that shit In my opinion <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's like, it's like fucking James Cameron's like Yo <laughs> but how many submarines Did you make Yeah like how many uh how many divers i'm not just sitting here i'm just not sitting here making baguettes there fucking denny (laughs) okay i'm fucking doing real shit and you like they all like like i said like they all have their
1: merits like avatar you go and watch an imax because it's visually mind-boggling but you don't return because the story is great I'm sorry, you just don't. Whereas, yeah, it doesn't
0: really. If it's not affecting people at a human level,
1: I'm returning to Villeneuve movies because of the characters and the stories. I'm just returning to his movies for different reasons. That's all. Yeah, that's all it is. But yes, I think I think w- when Dune is finally released and when we finally get to see it in all its glory, it will be pretty much not up for debate anymore. Unless it sucks. Unless it sucks. So fingers crossed. Then this fingers crossed. Then that's a, then it's irrelevant what I said.
0: We're rooting for him. I am.
1: Go, go, um, Dennis.
0: <laughs> go, Dennis. Go, uh, Dennis. Denis. Denis. Go, Denis. Uh, we sound like fucking Anglophiles. We're just like, <sighs> go, Dennis. Go, Dennis, Villeneuve. Velniev. Yeah. Uh, so, apologies, apologies to Denis Villeneuve for calling him Dennis. Uh, we, we have deep respect for the yes. people of Quebec, especially off the ice as we are currently gotta give him credit for the, the in the for them
1: having the uh their own filmmaking industry and promoting their own shit though that
0: is they are they and to be very honest with you the absolute uh talent that comes from quebec again uh xavier dolan jean-marc valet fucking you know denny villeneuve like quebec is just really shows the rest of canada how to fucking do it the they make legitimately good films Mm -hmm. and it's a fucking great place to go so props to our people from quebec on that note though john uh, we gotta get going all right thank you uh so much for doing this again and we'll be back uh soon hopefully with polytechnique and we'll definitely be back in a couple weeks with some more stuff bonsoir have a good one guys All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, rate and subscribe to our channel wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow The Mind Refinery on social media. Until next time.